It's as if they peek into the room where I'm preparing. Because that song is on repeat all the time. That's why I text them like that. I know they're not there. So I don't just play it in a little study area at home. I pray it, play it in the office at work. Fill me up at work. Certainly me. Father, we love you today. We thank you so much for how wonderful you've been in our lives, Lord. Woke up one morning, Lord, and it was a new day. Things happened that I had never imagined. Confusion reigned in my mind and in my body, Lord. But because I knew enough to call on the name, that's greater than all other names. I found that you were there waiting for me. And my prayer now, Lord, is for those who are here to learn to call on your name. Call on your name when days are sunny and happy. Because a day might come, or day will come, when everything is not so bright and sunny. And if we learn to call on your name in good times, and it prepares us to call on your name in not so good times. So strengthen us, Lord. There's somebody here today who came befuddled by life. Somebody here today, Lord, came not understanding what was going on in their personal lives or the lives of those around them, Lord. You have an answer for them. So strengthen us. Thank you for how you've been so good and keeping your hands so steady on this church congregation, Lord. No one can see back to the beginning, <clears throat> but you've been good to 45th Street Baptist Church, Lord. You've been good all these many years. No one can even put together how good to have to be to sustain us for over 100 years, Lord. But you've been good to us. I'm asking you to not forget about us as we move forward. Strengthen us and keep us. Continue to shower your grace and mercy all around. Bless every person who is here in the sanctuary today. Help this word to be edifying. Not only edifying, Lord, help it to be encouraging. Help it to be direction. Help it to provide protection from decisions that are going to come. And then, Lord, somebody's here who simply doesn't know Jesus. Help something to be said or done that introduces them to the way maker, the miracle maker, Mary's baby, Lord. Help them to be introduced to him and then to invite him into their lives. Lord, we love you. Fill me up. So now I want to run over. I can only do that if your spirit is in me. Lift this in the matchless holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We are uh, I prayed for a service today like we had never had before I came here. I knew that. And the Lord has been true to his word never had. I saw, y'all didn't see it, I saw the rebirth of the choir. 
pandemic can't stop the choir. I saw that. Yeah. I don't care where you sit. If you're in the choir, the choir is in you. You're going to jump up. They fill me up. Till I overflow. Yeah, as our conversation wasn't ready. See, the Lord is intelligent. You don't have to put a fly out. Just play the music. Play the music and the, and the choir come out. Uh, if you play it, they will come. That's right. He's, he's the pie piper of musicians. <laughs> Get him out there in the street and folk will be falling out of houses. Coming behind. Come on. So, as Anthony mentioned today, in Christian history, is dedicated to the remembrance of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. We call it Palm Sunday <clears throat> because of the activity that took place on that day. Didn't happen by accident. It was the beginning of Passover celebration for the people. My estimate, well, my, my reading of the history of that time says that there were about 2.6 million people in Jerusalem at that time. And the way they calculate the fact that there were 2.6 million people is by the number of, watch this now, the number of lambs or, that were sacrificed. The law at that time said that there had to be at least 10 people per sacrificed lamb. 10 people. And there were estimated 265,000 lambs sacrificed during this period of time. And so if you do the rough math on that, that's a lot of people. But what I love about this historically is that everybody participated. You were the odd man out. Everybody sat back and remembered the Passover and what it meant to their people. And I sit and I wonder, Cash, what does everybody in our community celebrate now? What do we have that binds us all together as a community, as a people? What's out there? That's why history is so important. That's why it's so important to teach the next generation what has happened before. So that we can keep on, you can call it tradition or whatever, family, whatever you want to call it. But there ought to be something that we can all get behind, Deacon Hudson, that everybody celebrates a commonality and in the body of Christ. We know that that is a connection to Jesus Christ, to our Lord. But sadly, not all of us even celebrate. Some folk uh, I almost entitled this sermon, and I didn't, I'm not going to preach about the Palm Sunday, but I almost entitled it Crowned and Canceled in the same week. Yeah. Because he was. He crowned him. Said Hosanna. Some might be unlearned enough to think that they were saying Hosanna, but they said Hosanna before Jesus came down the street on that coach. 
They said it every year. Why? Because it was part of the celebration, the shout Hosanna. And they did it in anticipation of the coming Lord. They didn't realize that the Lord was on the coach. How do I know that? Because in five days, they canceled it. Now, who would cancel? The true and living Messiah. And so they just got in where everybody fit in, and they just shouted, Hosanna. Are you just a Hosanna shouter? Or do you know what it's all about? Instead, the Lord stepped me back into the Old Testament. Probably a familiar passage of scripture to some of you is Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 53, very poetic. I love this chapter. I love the, 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 the way it reads. But more importantly, I love what it says. Isaiah chapter 53. And if you'll allow me to start reading at the first verse, I really want to concentrate only on the fifth verse. But it says, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He had no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid it, and I'm sorry, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Verse 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Well, Isaiah wrote something then. Most people read that, and probably the first time I read it, I was clueless. But he's talking about Jesus. Well, he's talking about the coming Messiah, who we now know is Jesus. Talking about the fact that he's not going to come in such a way that everybody's going to know who he is. He doesn't have, and he's not handsome so that everybody pays attention to him. He's not going to come in the way that everybody uh, imagines he'll come. He's not going to be rich. He's not going to have any of the worldly things that we identify with as kingly or popularity. That's not going to be him. We ignored him. The Bible said we despise. And then when we found out who he claimed to be, we still pushed back on him. But despite the fact that we put him through all that, he was still wounded for our transgression still bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And he allowed his stripes to be our salvational medicine. What kind of God does that? Wow. 
Why, why would God do that? Why? Because we had a problem. Walk with me on this. We had a problem we couldn't solve. Yeah, we had a huge gulf between us and God. And we didn't have a way to fix it. So God gave us what I want to call today some spiritual gap insurance. Anybody in here ever bought any insurance? Yeah. You buy enough insurance to cover what you think you're going to have a problem with. But every now and then, your situation turns around and you haven't bought enough. You haven't bought enough insurance. And so most folk have got to the point now, particularly in automobiles, because they're so expensive that they buy what's called a gap policy. So that if anything happens to the car, you want to make sure you can make up the difference between what you owe and what they what, what and what you have and what you have. I just on on October, I mean on March 23rd, like that day, 2010, the day that went down in history here in the United States. The 44th president of the United States, Barack Hussein Obama, signed his most pivotal piece of legislation, the one that encapsulated his entire tenure, both terms. He signed the Affordable Care Act, the one actually that imperiled his presidency because he was willing to step out on a limb and sign that piece of legislation. And his opponents hung that piece of legislation around his neck as a negative for the rest of his tenure. But he was willing to take that chance because it was the right thing to do because he knew millions of Americans stood in need of having insurance, health insurance that they could not afford or obtain. And so whether you are one of the ones who applauded him or whether you were somebody who was attacking him at the time for it because you didn't understand it. Today, you and I know that the United States is better because of that legislation he signed. Yeah, millions of people have become insured. So much so, it was such a drain on Barack's presidency that nobody calls it the Affordable Care Act anymore. Pejoratively, that means negatively, his opponents started calling it Obamacare. And now that's all anybody knows it as. And for a while, all of his team around him would continue to push back. And they would always at press conferences remind everybody that it was the Affordable Care Act. It's the Affordable Care Act. And then after a while, he started realizing that instead of being a negative, it was a positive. I'm going to wrap my presidency around it. Then Obamacare is a great thing. And so now he's, and then he started calling it Obamacare, and that's what we all know. The purpose of that legislation, as you know, was just to provide quality medical services to all Americans. What's wrong with that? And one reasonable person would ask, why would you even argue against that? Well, there are a whole lot of reasons why. So even though President Obama's influence and leadership was necessary. This was groundbreaking for so many ways, in so many ways. But I want to tell you, as good as it was, as much as he laid on the line, 
Obamacare didn't cover everything. It still is being tweaked as we talk about right now. As we talk about right now, he won't ever say it, but Trump signed some executive orders that actually strengthened Obamacare. He won't ever admit that. And Joe Biden has recently come in as part of his major platform to make Obamacare better than it was just two weeks ago. Was it two weeks ago? We, yeah, it had to be two weeks ago because this was Supreme Court week. Two weeks ago, Obama was back at the White House bolstering <laughs> President Biden and signing, as he signed an executive order that added another tweak to Obamacare. Can I tell y'all something? No matter what we do down here, man can't write perfect legislation. Can't write legislation that's going to help everybody through everything. And even if every legislator got together and created a bill, it would still have some problems. Because there are some things in our lives that can't be covered by man's legislation. And they're important. They're important things, but they can't be covered. Even if we get a universal health care plan, it might solve the problems associated with your physical body. But it, we found out that Biden's order had to help cover some mental issues that people had because they hadn't contemplated that. And if you, even if you cover the physical and the mental, can I tell you there's nothing man can write that's going to cover your spiritual issues. There's nothing we can put in place that helps you cover your issues from a spiritual standpoint. And can I tell you that your spiritual issues can upend your life just as bad as your physical issues? And that's what we found out. The spiritual needs of mankind are completely uncovered, except you go to a source who can write a policy for you and give you a policy that's going to support your life. The gap that was created by the first man I say the first man and woman has to be filled by a policy written by the original provider of coverage. The original provider of coverage is, of course, the Lord. Adam and Eve had it good, y'all. They were living in a place rent-free, didn't have to do nothing except for what God told them to. And they were fully covered for anything that might happen. Physical, emotional, and spiritual was covered until they went shopping around for a better policy. They went shopping for a better policy and ended up buying one of them low rate discount policies from somebody who could not support them. And guess what? Not only did it cost them getting evicted from the home that they had, they became wanderers and nomads. Uh, Bobby, they had to become renters wherever they went. And they had to buy rental insurance when they were already owning the property they had. It's interesting. Yeah, they try to get something better. Granddaddy say all the time, leave do better alone. Yeah, do better, mess them up. They were evicted, became renters, and throughout history, those who followed them after they were evicted from the most perfect place they could ever live, Cass, have tried to have riders and amendments put on the coverage, and those riders have not been sufficient to cover the gap that exists between us and the Lord. And it wasn't until the original provider of coverage came along and said, I got one gap filler that will help you understand uh, how to get back into right relationship with me. 
got one gap filler that everybody needs to have. What is gap insurance? What is it? It's a guaranteed, I didn't know this until I started researching this. Gap insurance stands for guaranteed asset protection. That's what gap is, guaranteed asset protection. And it's an optional coverage, that's the problem. It's optional. It's an optional coverage. You get it if you want to. Watch this now, how many of y'all got insurance and when you sat down with your insurance agent, he said, now we can cover this, but it's gonna cost you a little bit more. <laughs> and you started calculating the cost and you said, I'm not going to take that because it's gonna take more out of me. Some of us have not purchased the additional cost of gap insurance from the Lord because it costs too much for us. Y'all don't want to hear me on this. Yeah. See, see the, the text that we have from Isaiah tells us the policy that God gave us for gap insurance. Yeah. It does not require approval from the United States government or any government. There's no political party that can knock down the policy that God gave Isaiah to give to us. There's no legal or illegal citizen that's not covered by. In fact, whosoever will is covered by this policy. It's because this is a spiritual plan. There's no executive order that can knock it down. It doesn't matter who's in the White House, what party has political power. This is an eternal order that gives us this coverage. The prophet Isaiah outlines to us the terms of the Lord's coverage, his legislation. And I want to share it with you today. The first thing he tells you is there are pre-existing conditions you need to be concerned about. Oh, yeah. Each one of us has a pre-existing condition. If you're not aware of it, if you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you may not be aware that you have a pre-existing condition. And that pre-existing condition you have is outlined in the policy. He says, he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. The prophet gives us two notes in that. First of all, he says, he was bruised for our iniquities. That means that we've done something wrong. Oh, I know you say I'm pretty good. I treat folk right. I kind of tithe and, and and then I, you know, I come to church most of the time and and I don't I, I feed people when they seem like they're hungry. I, I do all these things good. But what you don't understand is the condition we have, the pre-existing condition we had, y'all, was from Adam and Eve. It was from the beginning. There's nothing you can do to get rid of that pre-existing condition. We, we were struggling from the moment Adam and Eve denied the gift and coverage that God gave to him. Help me uh, tell you about this. He declares that we are sinners by creation. Listen to that now. We are sinners by creation. When Isaiah used the word for iniquities, he used the same word that David used when David wrote in Psalm 51 and 5, when he said, behold, I was shaped in iniquity. That means I was made in sin. Not only was I made in sin, uh, uh, in iniquity, he said, in sin did my mama conceive me. And that, you really don't let people talk about your mama. <laughs> but David, 
put it out there. What just my mama? It was everybody's mama, Cam. My mama shaped me in sin. It has a much more global perspective. Well, we were all sinful. And Isaiah said that there was no way we could get rid of this condition. We were all A-L-L. Doesn't matter what side of the community you were born on. Doesn't matter how much money your folk had. Everybody was born in sin. Paul said it this way in Romans 5 and 12. He said, therefore, just as through one man, Adam, sin entered the world and death through sin. So when sin came, death came along with it. Thus, death has spread to all men because all have sinned. So many of you don't understand this. I was talking to Karen the other day. We were talking about someone we knew who passed away. And I said, it wasn't supposed to be this way. It was from the beginning that God gave us a perfect situation. But when sin came in, death came along with it. And now it's, it's part of what we have to deal with. Isaiah says we're all sinners by creation. And then he says someone, something else, we're sinners by creation. Brittany, we're also sinners by choice. Oh, yeah. Not just by creation now. Some of us love jumping on the sin train. Oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. He said he was wounded for our transgressions. You need to hear me on this now. Transgression means rebellion. That means that was the right way, and I chose to do the wrong way. That's what a transgression is. Transgression is the speed limit says 50, and I do 51. But we don't see 51 as a problem. Can I tell you 51 is a transgression? Now, how somebody polices that is a different thing, but people get mad. You know I wasn't doing but 51. This is the easiest conversation in court. I ain't even have to go to law school for this one. I just let folk walk themselves into their own conversation. They said, no, nah, I wouldn't speed. I want to try. Oh, okay, fine. It's America. You can have a trial. No problem at all. I said, but let me, let me ask you a question. What was the speed limit? Well, the speed limit was 45. And I said, but you weren't doing 45. No, I wasn't doing 45. I might have been doing 46 or 47. You know about how the rest of that conversation goes. One, the dawning of awareness is that whatever it is, it was over. Because we will not accept that we transgress. It doesn't matter how small the situation is. Come on now. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It was just a little gossip. You can't text and gossip. That's what folk think. You, you can't gossip when you text it. That's something you have to say to folk, Cam. Yeah, it was just a little taste at the bar. I didn't know that was an edible. This was my cousin's house. Yeah. Yeah. We had an emotional affair. Oh. Oh. Yeah, we, 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 we had an emotional affair. Not a real affair. It was... Yeah, just mind dancing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was just a moment of rage. Not long. 
All I did was, and I'm not going to even go there. Yeah, it wasn't pride, it was overconfidence. These are the things that we tell ourselves. Why? Because we shy away from the realities of transgression. We step away from it. We won't accept the fact when the finger points at me that I've done something wrong. But the truth of the matter is we are sinners by choice. We don't like it. When we come to the house of the Lord on Sunday and render an Oscar-winning performance on how good we've been, when in reality, sometimes we sin and while we sin. Yeah, we say we are completely foreign of transgressions, and the Bible tells us without a doubt that that can't be so. Not only were we born sinners, we're sinners still because we want to be sinners. Yeah, because it was our transgressions, our transgressions that Christ was bruised for. Not his, ours. Not only that, it was our iniquities that he was dealt the blow for, not his. You ought to thank God that Jesus was willing to come because it's by his stripes that we addressed our pre-existing condition. Not only did he address our pre-existing condition with his gap insurance, he also paid what the, uh, what the contributor required. Oh, yeah, he paid the price. When, when, when there's a sinful condition, you can expect that the cost of your care is going to be astronomical. Don't you know that sin is expensive? Oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Living right is expensive, too. It'll cost you something, but sin will hold you longer. Yeah, sin will keep a running tab on you. And because of that, you need to make sure that you have someone who's going to be able to contribute to the cost of your healing. One of the biggest oppositions to Obamacare was how it was going to be paid for. This is what the opponents always said. They're going to raise your taxes in order to pay for this. But don't you know that sin brings its own tax? Oh, yeah. Sin will take all your money, your time, your resources, and everybody else's money and time. So where is it going to come from that somebody's going to take care of you? The Bible says the contributor was willing to pay the cost for our sin. How do I know? Because it says he was bruised. He was wounded. In other words, he was willing, we put this into a final, he was willing to take a beat to pay the cost of our iniquity. Uh, I, I'm just going to ask anybody up here willing to stand up and take a beating for my sin? Wow. Anybody here willing to take, to be bruised for the wrong that I've done to someone? Because I don't know that we always put it in the context that Jesus paid it all and owed nothing. You owe everything to him. But he didn't do anything wrong. There was a story of a young man. He was a sophomore in a college out of state. One evening while he was out driving the nice vehicle that his father had provided for him, he was going to an off-campus party and was involved in a hit and run accident. <clears throat> Rushed to the hospital, medical staff gave him premium care. 
until he was once again brought back to a state of healthy functioning. He was checking out of the hospital, T, and as he was checking out of the hospital, he was handed a bill for his care. And he looked at the invoice and saw all that stuff. Anybody ever seen one of them hospital bills with all that stuff on there? You say, Lord Jesus. I'm familiar with that. There is no way I can pay this. There's no way, no way I can pay all of this. The medical person who was standing there looking at him, the, the, uh, who was helping him check out, looked at him and said, saw that, that he was worried because of what he had in his hand. And she said, young man, that's not a bill. It's a receipt. Your dad already paid your bill in full. I need you to understand that even though we had a bill that was astronomical, that you and I could not pay, it's just a receipt because Christ has already paid our bill in full and our father accepted that payment as due. That's what's crucial. Christ was willing to pay it all, but the Lord was willing to accept Christ as payment for the sins that we committed. One other thing about our gap insurance policy, and I love this, and not many people use it, is it comes with this gap insurance that the Lord has given to us, Cam, uh, Cam comes with preventive care. Oh, y'all don't want to hear me on this now because folk only want to use insurance when they get in trouble. They don't want to use the insurance to keep them out of trouble. But the same preventive care, you know, going to hospitals, going to see your doctor for well visits, these things will keep you out of trouble, keep problems from coming about. Yeah, you know, every one of these policies that the Lord has given us, this gap insurance, comes with. Uh, two provisions that you and I can use every day. It's called a grace and mercy ride. Because of his grace and because of his mercy, we can do some things to help ourselves stay out of trouble. Preventive care. What's preventive care in this policy? Bible study. It's preventive care. Learning what thus said the Lord is preventive care. What is it? Prayer. Is preventive care. Oh, 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 somebody not. But that takes time. It takes time to be in Bible study. It takes time to be in prayer. It takes time to be in fellowship. It takes time to come to worship. And these are things that we push back on. But preventive care comes in the policy. And we ought to take advantage of it. And finally, finally, you need to know that in this policy, there's also a prescribed cure for the problem we have. Yes, we have sin but there is a guaranteed cure. Isaiah puts the note in the verse that I read to you, verse five. He tells us that the cure for whatever ails us is right there. It was the blood of Jesus Christ. I told you before that Jesus brings us all the healing we'll ever need ultimately for the condition of sin that we have. He places the full weight of your sin and my sin on his back when he goes to the cross. And so here he is, we come to celebrate this week the crowning of Jesus Christ as the triumphant one. But his work wasn't really done until Friday. Yeah, 
He came on Sunday and we heralded him as a victor. We celebrated him as the one who was the king. But the same crowd that celebrated him on Sunday, for some reason, had turned on him by Friday. The same crowd that took all the benefits of celebration on Sunday had had a change of mind. Yeah, they were canceling him by Friday. The same crowd that chanted Hosanna on Sunday was now saying crucify on Friday. The question is, which side of the crowd were you on? Didn't you know that when you were saying crucify him, he was dying for you? Didn't you know when you shouted that you'd rather have a malefactor named Barabbas than this man named Jesus that you were sending your own savior to the cross? Didn't you know that? And because he loved you enough, he was willing to go to the cross. Because he loved you enough, he was willing to do for you what you didn't understand. The same one. Back on October 1st, 1994, there was a story from an evangelist that many of you know the name of. His name is John Wesley. John Wesley. John Wesley was one of the leaders of uh, one of the more modern churches that we know of called the Methodist Church. But the story talks about him in in uh, 1770, preaching, I mean, 1753, preaching a revival. And he preached that revival. And as he was leaving the revival, he was walking down a street that he was not familiar with. And a man came up behind him and robbed him. Yeah, robbed the preacher. Well, much to the, much to the thief's surprise, preachers are poor. And so while Wesley gave him everything he had, it didn't amount to much. And so he took what Wesley had to give him. And as he was leaving, Reverend Wesley did something strange. He said, hold up. This is to the man that just robbed him. He said, hold up. He went in his pocket and started pulling out some leaflets that he had just given out at the revival. He said, take this with you. You might need it, too, a little bit later. Ironically, the man came back and took it, not knowing what it was. A few years later, Wesley was at another revival. He finished the service, and up comes a man to him. And after a little discussion, Wesley realizes that the man is the one who actually robbed him a few years later. And he says to him, I just came to tell you thank you for what you did for me that night. He said, because since then, I've turned my life around completely. I got a successful business here in town. I've paid my debt to society, and I want to thank you. And Wesley stopped him and said, don't thank me. He said, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him you owe, because sin had left a crimson stain, and it was Jesus who washed it white as snow. You might be living a life right now that you regret. You might be living a life right now that seems so sinful. Can I tell you, there's a gap coverage insurance that can get the distance between where you are and to the Lord taken care of, but it takes you accepting Jesus Christ as the one who loves you, as the one who was willing to sacrifice to you. The songwriter said, all to him you owe. 
What do I know about that? I know that Christ's blood cures me from sickness. I know that. I know that it cures me from pain that I have if I accept it. Does that mean I'll never have any problems down here? It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that. It just means that I know that Christ has enough love for me that he won't let me suffer. I know that he has enough pain for me that he can bring ultimate healing to my life. And people confuse that sometimes because they think that I'll be in bubble wrap for the rest of my life. And that's not how it happens. It's not how it happens for you. We may feel the symptoms of sin sometimes. We might feel the symptoms of sin, but he'll never, ever, ever have to face the ultimate punishment of sin. Why? Because Jesus has already taken care of that for you. The question is, do you know him? Do you know him? Somebody's in here sitting up looking at me like, Reverend Spahn, what you talking about? And that's because you're still on that, I really didn't do that much wrong. Till, But Christ paid it all. You know what? He paid He paid for that tongue you got. Oh, yeah. You know that little quick tongue when you say stuff to folk? That ain't right. That's disrespectful. He paid for that. Not only that, he paid for the sin of the flesh you had. He paid for that. He paid for the sin of your mind. The stuff you think about folk without ever saying anything. Oh, that's wrong up in there. That's wrong up in there. Not only that, he paid for the sins of your eyes, the one nobody can see, but you, you know exactly what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He paid for the sins of your feet, where you go that you shouldn't go. Yeah, he paid for that sin. He paid for the sins of your hands. Yeah, what you do when you shouldn't do what you do. How about this? You got a job to do, but you do it the way you want to do it, and not the way that it's supposed to be doing. And then he paid for the sins of your heart. Jesus paid all of it, and he paid for it because there's no way you could have done it. And so today I came to ask you a simple question. Have you accepted him? Have you bought this insurance for him? Have you allowed it to come into your life? He paid the cost. All he asks you to do is to accept it. He'll turn you into something you never imagined you could be. Who would imagine that a young girl coming from two working glass parents would ever imagine that a dream that she'd be able to go and sit on the Supreme Court of the United States? A black girl. Who would ever imagine that? No one in our history would dare to dream that that would happen. I, I, did you hear me? Dare to dream that that could happen. And yet, even in this place that we call the United States of America, that is possible. Well, I'm foolish enough to believe that if that's possible here in the United States, as flawed as it is, if that's possible, then anything is possible with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There is no hindering or limitation on what he can do. And so if you're here tonight, I mean here today, and you need to know what's possible in your life, anything is possible. It doesn't matter where you come from. Jesus has made it possible for you to be anything in life you want to be. Dad, a dream. But don't do it by yourself. No, 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 no. You have to let him lead the way. Say, fill me up, Lord. Till I overflow. Tell him, I want to run over with your love. He'll turn dust, as one preacher said into diamonds and pebbles into pearls. I, I heard one preacher say he can turn trash into treasure. One, one said he can turn ruins into riches and, and rags into rolls. Somebody in here needs to know that your nightmares can turn into dreams. 
That's the kind of God we serve. He's the one who can take you from nothing until you are never forgotten. That's the kind of God that we serve. Now, you may have health insurance for your body, but what about your soul? I'm offering you a guaranteed promise. If you're not enrolled in God's plan, his health care plan, for your, for your soul, then don't waste another minute. Time to close the gap. Christ is waiting, and the policy's already paid in full. All these agents are standing around right now. And they're ready. They're ready to help you get signed up. They had to get signed up themselves first. Yeah, they got the policy. You ought to be telling your neighbors about this policy. Your cousins, your friends, your brothers, and your sisters. They ought to know about it. Whosoever will right now, if you're in this place today, now's the opportunity for you to come. If you're in the virtual space today, now's the opportunity for you to take advantage of it. Whosoever will, let us come.